Our next podcast sponsor has a product that I use every single day. I started taking EG1 because I wanted more energy, period. That's what I wanted. So I decided to give it a shot. You might be thinking, what is that? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, it supports your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, focus, and aging. Here's some other things I love about it. Every drink contains less than one gram of sugar. It doesn't have any GMOs or chemicals or artificial anything, and it still tastes good. It still has a mildly sweet taste. (laughs) AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. I love switching up just drinking water with AG1, and it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than possibly your cold brew habit or a latte habit. And right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. And I've told you before, I like to put mine on ice. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash noise. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash noise to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Taking the moment, just that even like little beat of time where you're like, look at that joy and like really letting yourself feel it. So often we see that and we think, oh, that's cool. And then we move on. But there's something so magical that happens when we let ourselves have that moment The other side of the bed in the bag version of joy is that we schedule those things in. We anticipate them. We look forward to them. We save for them. Scheduling it in gives you that thing to look forward to. And I think that's half the part of the the joy piece too. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 471 with guest Paula Jenkins. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. Happy fall. At least if you're listening to this sort of in real time, it's fall. It's one of my favorite seasons. I love um, not sweating my ass off. I mean, there's that. That's one of the main reasons I like fall. I used to really love summer until um, I got older and I got a little curvier and just sweatier. I guess. I I just can't tolerate the heat (laughs) now that I'm in my late 40s as much as I used to be able to. But I absolutely love this season. I love pumpkins. I love Halloween. I love the weather. I love wearing jeans and sweaters and plaid. In fact, on Saturday, um, just a few days ago, my daughter and I went to the Oddities and Curiosities Expo. We drove all the way up to Richmond, Virginia. They do have one in Charlotte, which is much closer to us, but it's not for another, I don't know, seven months or so, and we couldn't wait. Have you been there? Do you know of this? I'll drop a link in the show notes. I have no affiliation to them. And if you like spooky, weird things, 
that is your expo. It was very crowded. That is my only complaint. <laughs> Another thing that I don't have a whole lot of tolerance for like I used to. But I love spooky, weird, odd things. And I'm redoing, I think I told you guys, yes, I did. Because um, Aisley Interiors is helping me. Shout out, shout out to that sponsor of the show. Uh, I redo my living room and it's going to have that more of that theme because I've always loved it. I love art with ravens on it and skulls and just weird, odd things. All right, uh, so today we are switching gears. We're switching gears and we're moving into the self-care theme on the podcast. This particular group of interviews is sort of a mashup of different ways we can take care of yourself. And I know that's really kind of the theme of the Make Some Noise podcast, formerly Your Kick-Ass Life. It really is about taking care of ourselves. So it's not going to be that much of a, of a deviation to what you're used to. Today, I have someone on the show whom I absolutely adore. Paula Jenkins is so funny, and I know you're going to love her. She's been on the show previously, but it's been a hot minute. And I'm going to tell her about you in just a second. But before I do, I wanted to remind you that if you work for a company that puts on events and conferences and trainings and things like that, and you are looking for a keynoter who talks about resilience and also confidence, self-confidence, and also corporate wellness. I know that sounds so boring. That sounds super boring. But I have a keynote that I love giving all around the concept of how do we stay present for our lives? How do we avoid constantly running away from our emotions, from our problems, from our challenges. How do we do that? It becomes a problem and it definitely bleeds into our work. And give me a shout, andreaowen.com slash speaking, or you can email us support at andreaowen.com and we can hear more about your event and see if I might be a good fit. All righty then, for those of you that don't know our guest today, you're in for a treat. Let me tell you about her. Paula Jenkins is on a mission to spread more joy in the world. She is a podcast producer and certified life coach and the author of Jumpstart Your Joy, Heart-Centered Ways to Find Joy in the Messy Middle. She's also the host of the Jumpstart Your Joy podcast, which launched in 2015. And when she's not podcasting, she can be found watching sci-fi, playing video games, or reading. Paula holds a Master of Arts in Religion from Yale Divinity School and was a project manager in digital marketing for 20 years. She lives in California with her husband husband and son in their friendly rescue chihuahua mix named Chewy. So without further ado, here is Paula. Paula Jenkins is back on the show. Hey, Andrea, how are you? <laughs> I love that you start with a giggle because we have been we have been not being our professional selves and, and giggling before we jumped in, which I, I'm going to ask you some some fun questions at the end, but I'm going to save that for a little while. And I, I do want to ask you about something that you've been talking about a lot on your podcast, yeah. as well as you recently wrote a book about it. And it's what you call finding joy in the messy middle. So let's start there. Tell us about that. Well, I mean, so the last year, I think, as we kind of aptly <laughs> described it, has, there's been a lot of bullshit, and that's kind of putting yes. it mildly. You know, and <laughs> my I said like that's a scientific term that we need to all just adopt. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, so much bullshit. Also defined, you know, and I'm not the first one for sure to talk about the messy middle as a term. I know Brene Brown and some others mention it, uh, but it's really also a very apt description of what we've been through. Like we're so far from 
what the horizon of the end of 2019. And while I mean, while we're recording this, of course, people are getting vaccinations and things are in the you know, the rates are better with the pandemic. But we also mm-hmm. can't really see what's on the end horizon. So, I mean, right. if we get kind of biblical about this, my background's religious studies. It's kind of fun to see it as, you know, this is the wilderness that they talk about. You know, when Moses took the people out, they couldn't still see Egypt, which they'd been living in. And, and you know, they were leaving, but they also weren't yet to the promised land. And so we're out there. We're like, you know, the food's not great. We're complaining about the leadership. I mean, it really is kind of strangely an apt description of where we're at. Mm-hmm. And so... The, the thing there is not to continue on the religious piece of it, but like how we're going to be here. We are here and we've been here. So how do we find joy now instead of instead of pushing it out into the horizon? Because we don't know when that will show up. And it would really I don't think any of us want to just be joyless <laughs> until whatever yeah. this is resolves. And when this whole start thing started for us, you know, so take your, let's take us back to March, 2020. Mm. Did you have a sort of prediction of how long this would last? Like what team were you on? Ooh, that is such a great question. Well, I mean, I think as we, so I, uh, my son's in elementary school and I think as we saw it closing down, I think I was in that mindset of like, Ooh, I think you guys are kind of underestimating this two week thing. Like, yeah. If it's that bad, how how could we ever be talking about, about two weeks? So I've been very much of the mindset that, you know, we follow science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, you Same. know, what whatever the data is saying is to me real. And so I think, you know, we've probably been more on the restrictive mask wearing side of this than other people have, if that if that kind of answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I had a friend who who was and maybe it was just like the first couple of weeks where the, the onset, you know, when they started closing schools and she thought it was going to be wrapped up in two or three weeks. And mm. I, well, so at that time I was doom Googling. And so, which was not great. I was in, I was in a dark place, but one of the things I was, I was reading about was the Spanish flu yeah. and how long it lasted. And granted that was a hundred years ago. A lot has changed since then, but viruses haven't really changed. And I knew we had come a long way with vaccines and things like that, but I was buckling up for two years. And to be Mm. honest with you, I felt like that was helpful for me to get comfortable. And like you were saying, like, okay, this is going to be messy for a while. So what do I need to do to take care of myself and my family and my community? For sure. And as you're saying that, I'm remembering a moment I made the very bad decision. I mean, in, in hindsight, of about March 12th, so right before everything was shutting down, um, after school, I took my son to Costco. And I okay. realized the minute we got out of the car and I saw the line around the parking lot, I mean, we still needed some supplies because I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, we weren't running for the teepee, but like we needed stuff. So, but I realized, okay, this is way beyond what my own brain could have comprehended. And I even said yeah. to him, I'm so sorry. I don't know that I should have brought you here. Like, Mm-hmm. It was that kind of the onset and the realization, like, yeah, this is going to be a long time. This isn't just for a minute. And then, obviously, as it unfolded, I think we all started to realize, well, this is kind of a defining principle for everyone that's alive right here and and during this time. Like, this isn't something that's just going to be like, glancing at your me. watch, like, yeah, five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> this is not going to go away soon. We are where we are, and we can we can be serious about the severity of the issue but we can also find ways to navigate joy and some 
some sense of wellness and self-care and all of that out here, because I think the mental health side of it is also a really big deal. And this isolation Uh is so new to us. And I mean, I even found myself going back to like, how did they do this? Like, you know, families that were settlers and in Minnesota for the winter, like how did they actually get through a winter without... What did they do all day? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who knows? (laughs) Pa played played a lot of fiddle, evidently. I have so many questions about that, Paula. Like how did they give birth? Like how... So many questions. Anyway, that's probably for another guest, but... (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, but that seems awful. (laughs) It does. It seems really hard. Well, you were, you were talking about this before the pandemic, right? Like Mm -hmm. you were super interested in the messy middle and writing the book and, and talking about this. And I'm I'm curious, was there something that happened that drew you specifically to the topic of the messy middle? Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's super interesting to me from a couple of different angles, like way back in grad school, I kind of loved this thing of of the wilderness. And of course, also Brene Brown talks about it now as well. But like this idea that we go through phases of life where things are not easy. And Mm -hmm. instead of pushing away the hardness or, you know, leaning towards good vibes only or whatever, that, that wasn't a thing back when I was in grad school. But like, how do we own that? And and how do we accept Uh, And we don't have to embrace it or love it, but how do we accept the fullness of the human experience? Can I go a little more biblical, Anya, on this one? (laughs) Sure. I I love a good metaphor, no matter what it pertains to. Well, and some this may be controversial even, but my actual favorite line from the Bible is, uh, and it's very sad and I'm not making light of it, but is the moment when Jesus cries out on the cross and he says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And that, oh my gosh, I feel like in that moment, here's my interpretation of it. He has seen every good thing, every bad thing, every good and evil of the entire human race and and it hurts. Mm -hmm. And it says in that moment, and sure, it's also a great metaphor for any of us listening, like to have, you know, to have the fullness of the human experience, we have to accept and feel all of the things. And so that's, that's where this, I think, total interest came. And of course, then I was dealt my own, um, I mean, moment where I, after the birth of my son, it was a really horrifically long labor of 56 hours, which then led to a C-section. Yeah. And then diagnosed with postpartum PTSD. And so in that, I felt like there was a moment in there where I felt this immense amount of overwhelm and this place where how do I get through this? Like I could not even get in touch with my own joy or like the sense of happiness that I had. And how can I be so disconnected from what I really had sensed was my true, you know, that's my source. That's I'm a naturally very uh-huh. bubbly person. So it was very, very um, strange and very weird. And and I went and got therapy and and, I was going to say, like, and forgive me for being so sure. candid, and I don't mean to be flippant, but that sounds a lot like depression. It is very similar. Yeah. And in truth, I I kind of, I tried to figure out what is this? And I actually got, <laughs> I got accepted or it, I could have been admitted into a, a day program, which is mean you go in for the day and uh, for postpartum depression. Like an outpatient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, this doesn't seem quite right. And it comes into that space of really trusting your intuition and saying, Ooh, yeah, but I think there's something more here. And some of that, um, just to get into like kind of the psychology of it, as I understand it, was more around like I had a lot of um, ongoing kind of thoughts that I couldn't shake. I couldn't get rid of the Im- a few very specific images uh, during the birth process. And I also had this very irrational fear that something very bad was about to happen. 
Like, mm-hmm. and those are all marks, as I understand it, of PTSD as opposed to depression. Right. I mean, I think I probably had both. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me stop you for a second so I understand the chronology. So it, was that happening after the birth of your child or this was happening during the pandemic? So that happened. Yeah, that was like 10 years ago during the birth of my okay, child. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I can relate. And I I wonder, and maybe you know a little bit more about this than I do is, so I had severe postpartum anxiety Mm -hmm. after the birth of my first child, my son. And I had this fear. I remember standing in my bedroom crying and telling my mom, she had come into town to help me like for the first couple of weeks after he was born and telling her, and I was whispering and I was crying and whispering and telling her that someone was coming to steal my son. Yeah. And I was paranoid. And I remember the look on her face, you know, the, you know, the look your par- your ma- your parents might give you or someone that you care about gives you where then suddenly you're tuned in to just how far off the deep end you've fallen. Yes. <laughs> and you oh, get yes. more worried about yourself. That's what happened. And, mm. and from what I understand that that is not that uncommon, just, right. um, and it can lead to postpartum psychosis but it, it, those we're just not okay. And our hormones are all a mess and we need support and help. Right. Yes. It's so true. And I think one, uh, and I'm so sorry that you also went through it. Like that's so, it's so, it's so scary. And I think it's maybe, terrifying. maybe as moms, we don't talk about it because of course, you know, even after the fact there was, you know, some well-meaning person, but that said, well, at least he's healthy. And I'm like, right. Don't at least that's me. all that matters. Like, <laughs> cannot tell you how many times I heard that and felt so just irrelevant as a human. Yes. So true. Yeah. And, and I do totally relate to that moment of, whoa, this isn't, I realized that I wasn't in a space that was very healthy, mm-hmm. but I think there was, and it may have been around that moment where somebody said, well, yeah, you, I will accept you into this program. And it was like, whoa, like I remember sitting in one of those counselors offices and just thinking, no, I'm, I'm really here. Like this, I mean, mentally, like this is, you've said yes to a fairly intensive program for me. And, and yet I'm also not, not because I was afraid. I didn't think it was right, but I just didn't, I didn't know that. And she even said, I don't know if this is an exact fit for you, but there was that Uh moment of like, Oh crap. Like, okay, now it's time to really buckle down and not in a hustle way. Right. But like a I got to I got to get find myself a way to be well after this because this is uh-huh. this this could be it. I mean truly, like I kind of saw the edge <laughs> yeah. of okay, this might be a, an area where people could truly lose track of what's real and what's not. And that right. was oh my god, terrifying. Just terrifying. Yeah, and it's I mean, I don't know if I've gone in depth about that in another podcast episode or not, I think I might've mentioned that it was around that same time that I couldn't drive anymore because I was having panic attacks mm. in the car, oh my goodness. Um, mostly just on the freeway. So it very much felt like that scene in the movie Clueless where she gets on the freeway and they start screaming. <laughs> yes. It was like that, but it was real life. And it yeah. was not as funny as it was um, in their convertible, but it, it was, uh, I think I didn't realize how common it was. And I do feel like it would be so much more comforting and helpful and supportive for other women to talk about this, especially more specifically, I should say for, for postpartum mothers who, yeah. who deal with this. Yeah, I totally agree. It'd be intense. 
Mm-hmm. And I know. Okay. So instead of, instead of the inpatient treatment center, you went to therapy, you said. So yeah, I went to therapy I, and I would, so I've since been certified as a life coach. So I kind of like have a, a look back like, oh yeah, now I get what that was. But so we, she did tapping as one of the primary things that like helped me get through it. And it was one yeah. of those, I mean, it, thank God, I think it really did help. Like I would have been, mm-hmm. a, and it was one of those things where she's like, well, let's try this. And I kind of probably gave her that look of like, yeah, right. like. What? I'm gonna tap on my forehead. Like, yeah, and then like understand. tell me. Yeah, think about people it. that don't know. It's EFT tapping. Right. It's called um. What is the what does it stand for again? Extras. I don't. I'm not gonna get it. Right. Terrestrial. Yeah. <laughs> Foreign. Tapping. It's escaping me right now, yeah. but I, I'll I'll remember. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, and I think it really really helped, and it really gave me the framework to realize that I. I mean, it'll sound a little cliche, but I'm okay. My child's okay that there's there's a space in here where yes you you I mean it was helpful to recognize that I'd been through a very traumatic event you know gives gives me permission to like own that um and it was really interesting because at the time she even said like more people need to talk about this and it, it is my hope she said that someday you'll find a way to share this with other people so it's mm-hmm. always a little bit meta to talk about it cuz I I feel like it was part of the journey that she foresaw. And that's also kind of then, you know, it gave a framework for, um, I think, feeling more joy on the other side. And it also became the nugget that eventually started my own show, which was how do we find joy or what happens when we have to fight really hard for our joy and and what does it look like when people choose joy? Because I feel like that's kind of what that was in that moment. Like, whatever my own happiness was, it was reaching out to me and saying, hey, I want to reconnect, like kind of like from a spiritual source kind of way. Like, hey, come back. You know, we've, yeah. we've lost connection. Come back. And and so I feel like joy does reach out to us. And, and the show really became about that that kind of nugget of a moment, which is how do people say yes to joy in a really hard time or a difficult situation? And, and how does that change everything for them? And it's really kind of, you know, it seems antithetical maybe sometimes because you just want to numb out or whatever. But you know, and there, and there is some <laughs> some good reason to numb out and take a break. Sure, I totally advocate for that. Everybody does it. Yeah, <laughs> it has its place. Yeah, yeah. But that's and that's the heart of it. And so I feel mm-hmm. like joy is really serious business. <laughs> I like that joy is really serious business. It it sounds sounds counterintuitive is the yeah. word that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But I also want to circle back at EFT is emotional freedom technique. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from some of our sponsors. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, your healthy brain, like taking power naps or learning a new language or taking the right supplements. And there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. I have found as someone who's been in therapy on and off for the better part of 30 years, that it's really nice. It's really amazing to have someone to debrief my life experiences and get insight And this person isn't emotionally attached to me or anyone I'm talking about. You know, they're they're completely unbiased. BetterHelp Therapy is online and they offer video, phone, and live chat only therapy sessions. So if you don't feel like seeing anyone on camera and you don't even really feel like getting on the phone, you don't have to. 
Another great thing about BetterHelp is that it's much more affordable than traditional in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours, so you don't have to wait several days. And in some cases, from what I'm hearing from a lot of people, is that there's a wait list of many months, and that is not the case with BetterHelp. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash kickass. That's betterhelp.com slash kickass. Are you feeling a little anxious and overwhelmed? I feel like a lot of you probably raised your hand, myself as well. And I know that those feelings can make it hard to shift gears and get in the mood. With Dipsy, you can focus just on what makes you feel really good. So Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. It's kind of like its own podcast app. I have come to to look at it as that, but it's just filled with sexy stuff. (laughs) It's just sexy stuff. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has, they don't just have sexy stuff. They also have sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they offer written stories if you prefer that. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. And great news for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial. It's a free trial when you go to Dipsy. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash noise. That's dipseastories.com slash noise. You've almost kind of come full circle from that moment, you know, a decade ago. And and I know that you talk about a couple of different kinds of joys in your book. So can you tell us about the bed in a bag versions of joy? Oh, I, I love a good bed in a bag. <laughs> Don't <doesn't>? we all? <laughs> like the target aisle with the bed in a bag. Put it together for me. Of <laughs> yeah. course. Well, and it is kind of exactly like that. So yeah, I mean, I think there's joys that we all recognize. And those are the ones that and generally, they might be the simpler ones. Like you recognize like a flower is beautiful. You you can see in the moment that maybe, and I mean, just as we're reflecting through life, like you can see that like maybe any one of life's big events, like a marriage or a graduation or whatever, you know, these are all joyous times. Um, and we can also feel happiness just on our own when we're out on a walk or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be a big deal. And those are the ones that we recognize and that we talk about. And then there's these really other magical ones. And I, and I want to be super clear. I am not judging that these are good or bad or anything like that. It just struck me that during the pandemic, there, there were all of these things that we could no longer do. And I kind of started thinking about them as that bed in the bag that we find a target. And, and so it's like Disneyland. It's like a, it's a movie. It's, you know, we go on a cruise and, and everything about these events are chock full of like over the top, sometimes happiness and, they are like, you know, it's a pay to play situation generally, too. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to go reserve your cruise. You're going to go. You're going to dance with the new kids on the block. Or maybe that's just me. Um, that's just you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're going to have you're going to, lo- you know, love the shit out of that week or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've noticed, I mean, it became really apparent that these kinds of things exist and that that name kind of became fun for me was that we also kind of just leave them in their bag. Meaning there's not a lot of integration. You know, I I go on the cruise and then, you know, I might tell some stories when I get back, but I'm not integrating. You know, it would be hard to integrate dancing on a Lido deck with 3000 people, (laughs) but I'm not integrating maybe even some of the values or qualities that I loved about that. When I come back, I just go back to real life. 
And I think bed in a bag version of joy could also be a retreat. It's a different mindset, but it's like, it's really hard to integrate those things when we come back. And I've done retreat leadership for a long time and also noticed that integration or re-entry was a big deal there. Like, how do we bring these things that we learned into our lives in a real way? Back to your real life. Mm -hmm. That's what the bed in the bag version of joy is. And I, I mean, during the pandemic, what I've found is that it's really, it's it's fun to think back about those things because uh, I think they give us a really lovely way to re, you know, reignite some of the joy that we felt before we were also very isolated. And I found that when I think about them, I can also figure out some of the things that I feel like are missing from them. And then I could be like, ooh, I really loved going to Disneyland. And uh-huh. Then I'd circle back with myself and be like, okay, I can't do it, but what what about it? Why did I love it? Hmm. I love that I could eat gluten-free food all over the place. I love that I felt pampered and cared for. I loved mm-hmm. that, you know, there's that sense of adventure and excitement and getting just away. Some magical feeling in the air there. <laughs> yes. Well, just, yeah. And you know, you can't what it is. Yeah. And you can't totally recreate it for sure. But I think you can, you know, then stock the pantry with the gluten-free foods and, you know, find a way to maybe go on an adventure and drive around your neighborhood and find something new to see. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there were ways that I was seeing that I can't do this now, but the bed in the bag version of joy was teaching me other things that I could bring into my life that maybe were missing. I love that story and that and that metaphor. And it reminds me of, and I never thought of it this way, but how I do that is, and this might be because I am a highly auditory person. I also mm-hmm. have auditory processing disorder, and that means that I have an extremely hard time um, pushing out background noises. So it sounds like they're all happening at this. It's hard to explain, mm-hmm. but anyone who struggles to like work at coffee shops or where, or when you are in class and there's people whispering next to you and you want to murder them because yes. you can't hear the teacher, that's me. <gasps> and so I also, and, and I also process more slowly so if someone gives me directions that are like more than four steps, like you lost me at the second step, I need, I need more time. But I find joy in certain songs that bring me back to whatever joy I was experiencing. So when I hear that song that plays at the teacups ride at Disneyland, yes. like that one, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that song, like, I feel like I'm six years old again and just so much yes. joy. And nostalgia, this is super interesting. So from what I understand, nostalgia is not categorized as an emotion, but more so an experience, but it falls under the same umbrella. And there are certain people who feel the experience of nostalgia more so than others. And hand raised, I'm one of those people. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's, you know, I hear fantasy by Mariah Carey and I am instantly transported back to the nineties when I was going out to clubs with Carmen and Shelby. And that was our jam. I think every girl group has like their jam. Yes, That was ours. And I I hear the opening. I, I I just, I mean, I get goosebumps even just thinking about it. And I always screenshot it and text it to them. And I will stop whatever I'm doing and start dancing. And I, it would be a, it would be nice if Mariah Carey and you kids on the block were there to dance with me. <laughs> right. But alas, <laughs> yeah, I have my dog to dance with in the kitchen. But anyway, I say that because I, I think there might be some people who can relate. So totally true. And I am going to look up the auditory processing thing because that sounds like me to a T. Do you, 
Yeah. Okay. So yeah. let me say more about it because you're probably not the only one who's more curious about it. So sensory processing disorder is where I first learned about it. And so my son was diagnosed with that when he was five and the therapist recommended that I read the book, The Out of Sync Child. And so for people listening, the most common sensory thing that we hear uh, mostly with children, but it happens in adults too, is when they can't stand the feeling of their socks and they throw fits about tags being in their um, shirts and their you know pants and things like that. And some people have a harder time. They either are oversensitive or undersensitive. So they're they're sensory seeking or sensory avoiding. And so people who struggle with tags and socks, they're sensory avoiding when it with tactile stuff. Some people it's taste. So this is why some people really struggle with certain textures and refuse to eat certain foods because of the texture. And it's it can be all five senses. And, and some people, you can also be under and over for different senses. So like my son, for instance, um, he is overstimulated with smell and sight, like especially bright lights, mm -hmm. but he's sensory seeking in, in other senses. Anyway, so for me, it's just sound. I, I struggle a little bit with texture, but it's not out of the ordinary. It's just, I don't like overripe bananas, but like who does, you know? <laughs> It's not not that big of a deal. Yeah. It doesn't affect my life, but the but the auditory stuff one hundred percent affects my life. Yeah. I can't um, I can't work in certain places if someone is like tapping. Oh, I just like it makes me feel like I want to a rip my skin off yes. and then beat the other person to death with it. Like I know that sounds I can, violent. No, I could totally relate to that, and it <gasps> has come into play in like living in a small brain. house with, uh, you know, my whole family. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's so true. Well, it started in fifth grade. My, my teacher who I loved, he was so great. And he would play classical music when we would take tests. Mm -hmm. And because he had read some study that's like helpful for people and I could not concentrate and it was affecting my grades. And I was so embarrassed to tell him because I felt like something was wrong with me. And I can't even remember what ended up happening, but I cried when I read The Out of Sync Child because I'm 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 highlighting, you know, bullet points that my son struggles with. And then I saw so much of myself yeah. and felt so I'm like, oh my God, this is a thing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I um, highly encourage people to get that book and even just Google auditory processing disorder or sensory processing disorder that yes i will and i have to say that the song for me at disneyland is buzz lightyear and there's something about the music in that it's the dark ride and i feel it's like the opposite of the oh my gosh that's so irritating i want to slap somebody it's like this is so good i want to slap somebody <laughs> like oh you're that excited yeah i get really yeah. like that one gets me so yeah that's I even like the Sermonente Sentado Por Favor. Right? And I, I just like six years of Spanish. Can you tell? But whatever that the on repeat that they say when you're yes. getting in the roller coaster, just the sound of that yes. makes me happy. Yeah. Like, oh my God, we're about to, we're about to get on a ride. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and to that same point, I mean, another thing that I noticed at, and it was kind of a phase was I was listening on YouTube, if you look up background music loops for Disneyland, if you are like, oh my gosh, I wish I could get more into this. <gasps> no. they People out of the goodness of their own hearts have put together full background loops for every area of the parks. And like I can be whisked away, especially maybe if you have those really strong memories of like when I hear this music, I feel uh -huh. like I'm there. And so for a while, I was full on listening to background music loops of 
you know, whatever area I wanted to. It's great. It's so fun. I can have music on now as an adult, I can write with, um, but it has to be instrumental. It can't be, mm-hmm. I can't have lyrics because I'm too distracted by words, mm-hmm. but now, yeah, I, I do like that. So I'm going to have to look that up. That is so amazing. <laughs> so we went off on a tangent. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I want to ask you, I did not know this about you the last time that we talked, but what is a trained labyrinth facilitator? Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, so labyrinths, uh, if you are familiar, are, are different than a maze if, if you are not. Um, so a labyrinth is a, what we call a single circuit loop or um, path into the center. Um, you cannot get tricked or go the wrong way, but it gets used as a walking meditation um, for people who are not uh, familiar with them. And they've been around for centuries millennia even. And you, you find them in all sorts of different religious practices. So, you know, in back in Greek times, back in Baltic times, uh, Native Americans in uh, the U.S. have it. Uh, they all look a little bit different, but the idea is the same, that you are walking a path to the center. And so in December of this last year, which is why we wouldn't have talked about it before, but I took the Veritatis uh, Labyrinth Facilitator Training to kind of like understand what are they you know, what's like the purpose of them and how I might use them in other ways besides like how, you know, just walking the labyrinth myself, which I have done at every stage of my adult life. And I always feel like I, it's like a walking meditation. And I feel like I get so much out of the process itself that I really wanted to bring that into, you know, my life in a different way. And so that's, uh, so yeah. So are you planning on, I know it's fairly recent that you've, you've gotten this, or are you planning on taking like groups of people, like retreats to go on mm-hmm. these labyrinth walks? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I'm, um, for the last few years, quite a while, I've been affiliated with a, a retreat center here near me and they have a labyrinth. And so when I got trained, I was like, so do you guys need a facilitator? And they were like, well, uh-huh. yeah, we do. So I'm hopeful that that, that that's something I get to do. And then I'm also working with a camp this summer. This is so revolutionary in my opinion. They um, are able to open using physical distancing and all that. But they also, they're like, we need a mindfulness program. And I told them about the labyrinth as well. And so I'm working with them to like develop a program for the campers and the counselors because, oh, that's fun. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, how do these things happen? <laughs> but it's like so cool. And I feel like it is, I mean, kind of to tie back to the messy middle is the labyrinth itself really gives us a way, especially if people feel like meditating is difficult for them because I think a lot of people are like, you know, don't please make me sit in silence. That mm-hmm. seems painful. And if you go out and physically walk a labyrinth um, and you can find them, there's a world labyrinth locator. You can look that up online. You can find one world labyrinth locator, <laughs> right? Of course there is. <laughs> yeah. While you're there, get yourself a bed in a bag and right. <laughs> they're on sale. They are on sale this week only. I love all the, the things that I learn by interviewing interesting people. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's funny. Well, I, I want to circle back to back to the serious conversation about, about your postpartum PTSD. Sure. And so I recently learned that someone very, very close to me that I love very much has had medical trauma. And I had never heard that term before mm. and it but it made so much sense when this particular it was a naturopath doctor that that told me about it and it sounds like that's what what happened to you you know when you had postpartum PTSD and i'm i'm curious if you wouldn't mind sharing what are some of the things that your therapist walked you through and facilitated with you 
um, if it was beyond the EFT tapping or, or anything like that, that has helped you come as far as you have over the last 10 years. Cause I, I, I think that the reason I bring up the medical trauma thing is because I think it goes beyond, you know, people who've had difficult labors, which I know is, is common, yeah. but people who might've had, um, you know, scary hospital stays or sudden surgeries that they had to have, or just a not so great experience at a hospital. Well, and then I don't know if some of this is so much stuff that my therapist offered, but I can, I can surely kind of reflect on the things that were helpful to me. I mean, I think if you've been through it, um, it's always okay to ask or have a loved one ask for the records because in my experience, that was a really long time in a hospital and I wasn't even, it became very fuzzy at points. Like what actually happened? You know, when did we move from this was a decision to this was a decision? And I, well, it did not, I mean, I want to be careful in saying like, go ask for your medical records because it probably won't give you all of the answers, but it did fill in some gaps for me about what had happened. And so it might be helpful if you have a loved one that could help you navigate that space to ask about it. I mean, it just may, mm -hmm. it may offer some insights. And in tandem with that, I would say share. It seems so scary to share what you're feeling or what you're going through. But if, you know, if it's a partner or a spouse, if it's, you know, a friend or a loved one, find someone that you trust and that you know will hold the space for you um, and not just say, oh, at least, right? Like we talked about that mm -hmm. earlier, but find someone <laughs> that will listen. Um, and and if somebody gives you the at least answer, then move on to somebody else because um, mm -hmm. you need to find the person that's going to hear you and and that's going to hold yeah, that. Don't throw in the towel yet. Yeah. Um, and then I think some of the other things were just acknowledging that, yeah, this is this is a real thing that happened because I think some sometimes it's very tempting to push it aside and and not give it the, you know, the weight or the the time that it needs, meaning weightiness or time that it needs. Uh -huh. And I would say fight for the right uh, person. <laughs> Sounds like I was going to say fight for the right to, to, party. to party. I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can do that too. I'm just kidding. Fight for the right person to help you through it. Because like I said, you know, I got admitted into a program that I just, in my gut, like, um, you know, even a doctor friend of mine talks about how so often we know what we need in our gut, but we don't follow it because someone in the medical profession tells us like, oh, you need this. Uh -huh. And you're like, I don't think that's right. I think I, so trust your gut and go to the right person because I think that makes healing, you know, it makes it happen quicker. Somebody's going to help you who you know gets you. Um, and that's super helpful. Um, and then I think the, the other pieces are uh, Julia Samuels, who is um, a psychotherapist that deals with grief and, and death she talks about, and I had her on the show at one point, about how like scheduling in time for joy, like the other side of it is like, allow yourself to feel something that isn't the hard part from time to time uh -huh. and just let it be like, you know, watch a movie that made you laugh before. I know when I did, <laughs> this is another really funny one. I know I did that and I found myself watching The Princess Diaries, which one will do. <laughs> And I found the best quote in that moment that like kind of was like a turning point, which is courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the decision to do something beyond fear. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, like, you know, and this is a Disney film, but it was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, like, that's what I'm doing. Thank you, Meg Cabot. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I felt seen and heard there by the Princess Diaries. And. Yeah. And I also think movement. So there's also, you could look into Peter Levine and I think it's, it's, it's his 
seminal work about trauma, but like mm-hmm. really knowing that like allowing yourself to move and looking into kind of the space. It's really interesting because when he talks about it, about trauma that's stuck in the body, it's really this idea that you, if you were an animal, you would have had the options to fight or flight or freeze. So what happens when we get trauma stuck in our own bodies as humans is we are stuck in probably freeze and we never got to resolve it. And so sometimes even just like envisioning, (laughs) like get out in the yard, envision that you're punching something, you know, or just go through like, I don't know. I did a lot of angry stomping, which seems so silly, but I was like, oh, that feels so much better. Like really letting your body work through some of it is also super helpful. Yeah. I love all of that. It it makes me think of of recently. So I'm I'm big on the small moments of joy, you know, yes. when people ask me that and I'm like it's when I'm sitting in the dining room table with my family and and either my husband or one of my two kids laughs and seeing their faces or just having them tell me about their day, just these small things that bring me so much joy and I I don't jump over them like I sink into them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're like, "Why are you staring at me?" It's because of that. And so my I got I got so irritated with my husband because he had bought my our daughter. Um, we decided to get her. She's an artist, and it was like this tracing thing that was really neat on Amazon. And and we were gonna give it to her when her um she's going to this new charter school and they were moving locations and she was super nervous about it. And we're like, why don't we give it to her like on the first day to, you know, as like a little we're proud of you gift. You can you can do it. And he gave it to her. When I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. And I saw her using it and I was like, when did, when did daddy get that for you? And she's like, oh, he gave it to me yesterday. And I marched over to my husband and I'm like, you know, and I'm like, Hey, I wanted to be there. And he kind of didn't get it at first. And I'm like, it's like Christmas morning, you know, like when, like, this is the reason we buy too many gifts for our children. I could never, before I had children, I was like, I cannot understand why parents spoil their, their children. Now I understand why, Mm -hmm. because it's seeing the joy on their face makes me so incredibly happy. I cannot get that from anywhere else. And so, I mean, that's kind of a lie. I could get joy in other places, but it's sort of, you know, an easy way, (laughs) an easy, expensive way to do it. But I, I felt kind of cheated a little bit and it just, it, when you were saying all that, it reminded me of, of these little moments that I look forward to that I know are going to bring me joy. It's like my own version of Disneyland. Yes. I love that very much. And I think that there's like a, there's two sides of that coin too, which is like uh, taking the, like taking the moment, just that even like little beat of time where you're like, look at that joy and like really letting yourself feel it. Because I think so often, I mean, Christmas morning might be a little bit different, but like so often we see that and we think, oh, that's cool. And then we move on. But there's something so magical that happens when we let ourselves have that moment. And I think there's also the thing that happens like the other side of the bed in the bag version of joy is that we schedule those things in. We anticipate Mm -hmm. them. We look forward to them. We save for them. And yet we wonder why it's like such a special event. Well, some of that is all that. And so if you can right now schedule time into, you know, whatever, (laughs) I don't know what that's going to be for somebody, but like, you know, have a zoom call with a friend or Mm -hmm. go have a socially distanced walk with your friend and and their dog and your dog, like scheduling it in gives you that thing to look forward to. And I think that's half the part of the the joy piece too. 100%. Paula Jenkins, you are such a joy to have on this show, pun intended. Thank (laughs) you so much for being here. Thank you so very much for having me. 
And I want to also mention your book, Jumpstart Your Joy, Heart-Centered Ways to Find Joy in the Messy Middle. That link will be on the show notes. And I know you're at jumpstartyourjoy.com and that's what your show is called as well. But where else do you want people to go to learn more about you and what you have to offer? Well, thank you so much. Um, well, yeah, my my brand new site about me being a podcast producer <laughs> is at paulajenkins.com. And so you could go there too to find a, a free course to set up a, a mission statement for your own podcast if you wanted to. I didn't know that. I have so many people that ask me about podcasts, you know, how do I start my own? And I have a couple of resources, but I will definitely send them your way as well. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. I want to thank all the listeners for being here with us today. And and I just am so grateful for them and for their time because I know how valuable our time is. And remember everyone, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye everyone. Hi there. Swinging back by to say one more thing. You know how I'm always giving advice over here on the show and on social media. And a couple of those things is that I'm always telling you to ask for what you want, be clear about it, and also ask for help. So I am taking a dose of my own medicine and I'm going to do that right now. It would be the absolute best and mean the world to me if you reviewed and subscribed to this show, Make Some Noise Podcast, on whatever podcast platform of your choice. And even more importantly, it would matter so much if you shared this show. Sharing the show is one of the few ways the podcast can grow, and that also gives more women an opportunity to make some noise in their lives. You can do that by taking a screenshot when you're listening on your phone and sharing it in your Instagram or Facebook stories. If you're on Instagram, you can tag me at HeyAndreaOwen, and I try my best to always re-share those and give you a quick thank you DM. And also, you can tell your friends and family about it. Tell them what you learned. Tell them a really awesome guest that you found on the show that you started following. Whatever it is, I appreciate so much you sharing about this show. 